Indiana Bible College is committed to training tomorrow's apostolic leaders today. This is the Indiana Bible College podcast. This is a sort of throwback Thursday episode. Before you skip thinking, ah, great, summer's here and IBC's just recycling all the things that we've heard before, just let me, let me tell you what, today we are going to hear the very first message of Mid-America Renewal Conference from last year preached by Reverend Jason Staten. The message is entitled, The Things Which God Hath Prepared. And we hope that you're making preparations for September 5th and 6th, 2019. What happens those two days? Well, the astute among us have already ascertained that those are the dates for this year's Mid-America Renewal Conference. Mark is sponsoring this episode of the Indiana Bible College podcast and a few more that are forthcoming. Mark will debut the 2019-2020 Indiana Bible College Choir and features a group of preachers that is absolutely amazing. Reverend Jody Wells, Reverend Victor Jackson, Reverend Josh Carson, Reverend Elias Limonis, Reverend Scott Graham, and of course, our own Reverend Paul Mooney. So prepare yourself because... September 5 and 6, 2019 will be life-changing. This is the things which God hath prepared. ...to have the man of God here, Brother Jason Staten, coming from Lexington Park, Maryland. He uh, has graced platforms in all kinds of different venues, preaching uh camps and conferences, but tonight he's come with the word from the Lord, and I want to receive it. Amen. Anybody want to receive the word of the Lord? Would you help me welcome Brother Jason Staten? Can we just take about 20 seconds and lift up high praise to the Lord? Hallelujah. Only, only you know, Lord, even today, the things that you kept me from that could have destroyed me, but God, your hand is upon my life. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, because you are with me, I will fear no evil. Hallelujah. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy, and you cause my cup to run over. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. Yes, Lord, that they follow us all the days of our lives. Hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's so good to be here. And uh, uh, let's see, Tuesday, September 4th. Earlier this week would be a day that I, in my calendar will be marked as a day of surprises. That morning I had gone in to finish up kind of some uh, finishing thoughts on what I would speak on Friday during the day. And uh, God just kind of switched everything around on me. And then later Brother Mooney called me and because of some things that happened, I was moved from Friday to tonight, leading it off, going before Brother Cornwell. And if that doesn't do anything to your stomach, you've never had to preach before Brother Cornwell before. But... Anyhow, I know that God knows what he's doing and I trust in him and I trust in his word and uh, I wanna do my very best to speak what the Lord has given me. I do wanna say thank you to Brother Mooney, Brother Pedigo, Brother Rodenbush, the leadership of this church, amen, and of this great conference, amen. Uh, Indiana Bible College, can we give it up for these great students that are up here? Amen, what a great class, what a great uh, enrollment they've had this year. Hey, these are the best of the best. Right? This is the generation leading us into the greatest revival the apostolic church has ever seen. 
Amen. I believe if Peter and Paul could change places with us today, they would because of this generation that is coming on the scene. Amen. Amen. All of the leaders that are here, the great ministry that is here tonight, we give honor to them. I would ask if you would turn with me in your Bible to the book of Jonah. Amen. And as you're turning there, we're going to begin in the very first chapter in the first verse. Amen. Also give honor to Brother Straub, Brother Johnson, the leadership of this great district. Amen. How are you glad to be a part? Those of you that are a part, glad to be a part of the Indiana district. Amen. Five of you are glad about it. Hopefully the rest of you are. You just got your Bibles right now. Also, my father and mother who have traveled to be here for Mark Conference and maybe me preaching had something to do with it. I'm not sure. But my dad is my hero, and I know the hero, my mom as well, heroes of mine, and I know to many in this organization. Also, my wife and four daughters who made the trip with me. My oldest daughter and my wife share a birthday the day after tomorrow. My oldest daughter turns 20, and my wife turns 21. And I asked them, if there's anywhere in the world you could go for your birthday on Friday, where would it be? And they said, Indiana, hands down. And so here we are. We're in Indiana because... They wanted to celebrate their birthday here. I'm so excited to hear Brother Cornwell in just a few minutes. A few months ago, he was in Maryland, D.C. District um, and shared with us some uh, principles of evangelism that have changed, I know, my life and our church. And uh, I remember as a child being in, I don't make, mean to make you feel older, Brother Cornwell, but I remember as a child being in Maryland, D.C. camp when you would run across the backs of the pews and you would preach while running across the backs of the pews. I noticed recently in Maryland you didn't attempt that. Uh, but I am very much looking forward to him speaking here in just a few minutes. Amen. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Now the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Moving to verse chapter 3, rather in verse number 10. Of course, we know there is some history that takes place between that word that came to Jonah and now where we arrive at in 3 and 10. The Bible says God saw the works of the people of Nineveh that they turned from their evil and God repented of his evil that he had said he would do unto them and he did it not, continuing into chapter 4. But the fact that God changed his mind about his wrath being unleashed on Nineveh displeased Jonah. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was this not my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before into Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and a merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and that you repent, and that you repent thee of evil. Down to verses 9 through 11 of chapter 4. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand, one hundred and twenty thousand people that cannot discern their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. And I would just like to use a phrase from 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 for the title of what I'll preach for the next few minutes. Amen. We know that passage of Scripture says, 
that uh, we don't even know the things that have entered into the heart of God, the things that have been prepared. And I just want to use that title for a few minutes tonight, The Things Which God Hath Prepared. Amen. Have you believed that God has prepared things for the church of 2018? Come on, every preacher in the building tonight, we can't draw on faith from what we see in culture. We can't draw on faith from what we see in our present world. We've got to have faith that God has prepared some things for his church. Amen. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. For the sake of time and in consideration of the audience that I have privileged to preach to tonight, I will not go into the great intricate details of the Sunday school story of Jonah and the whale. But I would like to focus for a few minutes tonight on one phrase that stands out amidst the trek that would take Jonah from Joppa to Tarshish and ultimately to the wicked city of Nineveh. And in the four chapters that detail this trek of Jonah, if you would, in that the four chapters that chronicle his passage, there is one phrase that, at least to me, jumps out of the writing there. Because repeatedly throughout the course of Jonah's story, there is the phrase or some variation of the phrase, the Lord prepared, or the Lord God prepared. Time and again, as Jonah makes his way from, uh, from Tarshish and uh, from Joppa to Tarshish and then ultimately to Nineveh, that phrase comes out of our text as we read, the Lord prepared. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines the word prepared as to be subjected to a special process or a special treatment. And while Merriam-Webster's Dictionary would define it that way. Uh, Webster's Dictionary simply explains it as making something ready for use. So it is, as this passage comes to us, it says the Lord prepared. The Lord subjected Jonah to a special process or a treatment. The Lord began because he saw the future that he had for Jonah. He said, because of the call that is on your life, there is a process that you've got to go through. Because of the plan that I have for you, your life, there is a way that you've got to go that everybody else isn't going to have to go. Amen. Amen. I'm preparing you for something in in your future. There are 15 different Hebrew words in the Old Testament that as it was translated into English, they translated those 15 different Hebrew words into the English word prepared. But every time in Jonah that we find that word describing the process that God was putting Jonah through, it is the same Hebrew word, and it is the Hebrew word mana, meaning to divide into parts. It's speaking of something that is weighed or measured out. It is rationing something, or it is a very intentional and specific amount, like ingredients that are taken and measured to be put into a cake or some form of recipe. You take those ingredients and carefully you measure them out. What are you doing? You're preparing because there's something in the end that you are looking forward to. And God looked down at Jonah and said, Jonah, I've got something that I'm going to do through you, but in order to get you there, I've got to, I've got to measure some things in your life. I'm going to allow you to go through some things that others around you aren't going to have to go through. In studying this word and trying to grasp its specific meaning, my mind was drawn to my wife and her preparation of meals in the kitchen. Most of my sermons contain some illustration about food. Amen. You're not really Pentecostal if you can't get excited about food. 
So when I share a story right now about food, really what I'm doing is I'm seeing who the real apostolics among us. Because if you don't shout for anything else, you ought to be able to get excited about food tonight. All right, I'm watching you. Amen. But I know as my wife begins to prepare meals for a family of six, and it seems like we're always on the go, something always happening. Somebody's got something going on. One of the children have a youth event. Somebody's got choir practice. There's a Bible study, something always going on. But after 21 years of marriage, yes, she just turned 21. The math gets a little fuzzy in there. But I finally started to grasp a few principles that will either bless or break the peace within my home. I have learned that after she has spent all afternoon cooking, after she spent time in the grocery store selecting those ingredients, and then she made her way into the kitchen, and she began to prepare that meal, I've learned it's not a smart thing to walk in and tell her, hey, I had a cheeseburger on the way home, and I'm not really that hungry. I've learned even if you had a cheeseburger on the way home, you better belly up to the table and eat anyhow. Act like you haven't eaten all day or yesterday either and eat enough to make up for a couple of days. I've learned it's not a good idea to wax spiritual in that moment and announce that I've decided to go on a fast. In fact, I've learned that might be a good time to break the fast. Equally of importance, I have learned that it's not a good idea at 4 o'clock to announce that I decided to invite some guests over for dinner that is starting in just a couple of hours. Why? Because she prepared that meal with a set number of people in mind. She, with every measure of salt she put in the bowl, every measure of sugar, every, every cup of milk that was added into that ingredient, she was doing it with an audience in mind. And every teaspoon of salt, every tablespoon that was placed, it was being done with just exactly what was needed in mind. And in the four short chapters of Jonah, it becomes apparent that God has measured out and prepared circumstances for the life of Jonah that are exactly what Jonah needs because God knows there's something coming in your future, Jonah, and nobody else around you may know it's coming, but I'm going to produce some things in your life that are exactly what you need. Is anybody thankful tonight that we serve a preparing God? Is anybody thankful tonight to know that you serve a preparing God? He knows the way that I take. He knows the end from the beginning. It was a process that God had designed for Jonah. And it was very carefully being measured out and intentionally designed. To be exact, we find in those four chapters of Jonah that there are four portions that God has prepared for Jonah. There is a fish There is a gourd, there is a worm, and there is a wind. Those four things within the book of Jonah, the Bible says that the Lord God prepared for Jonah. He prepared a great fish, he prepared a gourd, he prepared a worm, and he prepared a wind. And I believe as I am here tonight that God has brought me for no other reason to tell somebody that what you are going through is not an accident and what you have been facing is not escape the mind of God, but God measured it out and it is exactly what you needed. It's exactly what God brought into your life because he's preparing you for something that you may not even know is coming.
every measure that is meted out. But here's what brings it all together. Here's what makes sense of it. Every, that t- tablespoon of salt wouldn't make us make sense if we didn't know there was a cake in the oven. Every measured out ingredient wouldn't make sense if we didn't know there was an end result. And so it was every measure that is meted out in the life of Joseph is done in relation to a word that has been spoken over his life. For in Jonas chapter one, verse number one, before there was ever a whale, there was first a word. Before there was a great fish, there was first a great calling. And when we lose sight of the word that God has spoken over our lives, and when we lose sight of the great calling, listen, why we're here tonight is not just to get together so we can celebrate our apostolic identity, sing a few songs and hear a few sermons, but it is because in this room tonight there are people that have a great calling upon your life, and if you lose sight of the calling, amen, that what God has prepared for you will not make sense the fact is that when there is a great word that has been spoken for your life there is a God that is preparing you everything that God had for Jonah was a measure that had been rationed to prepare him to fulfill the word that had been spoken that word now the Lord came unto Jonah saying arise and go to Nineveh because where, it, where there is a word, there is a way. There will be a special process. I know that there's a lot that come along and they want to subvert the process. They think that it's all about talent and ability. They think it's all about preaching in front of crowds and grabbing microphones. But I know the truth of the matter is that when there is a high call of God upon your life, there is a process that you've got to go through. There is a pathway that you've got to walk through. And there is a way that you will have to go. We live in a religious world where everybody wants a word. Amen. They even come to my church and they don't even try to mask it anymore. They just say, preacher, I need a word. I need a word today. I hope you got a word, pastor, because I need a word today. Everybody wants a word, but few recognize that where there is a word, there is a way that goes with that word. Amen. I don't know about you tonight. I don't just want the word, but I want the way that goes with the word. I want to be prepared. I want to be measured. I want God to prepare me so that when the word comes, I'm ready. The first portion that the Lord prepared for Jonah was a fish. And the fish was exactly what Jonah needed. Now I'm sure at the moment that Jonah saw the fins of that great fish peak above the surface of those rolling tides, as Jonah's bobbing in that swirling, cresting waves, I'm sure when he saw that fish coming and its mouth opened wide and Jonah begins to deduct, I'm going inside of that fish. I'm sure in the mind of Jonah, Jonah was not saying, God, whatever you call me to do, Lord, whatever you ask of me, I'm sure Jonah was thinking, can my day possibly get any worse? Any preachers have one of those Sundays? Amen, where the great fish walks in the back door and its mouth is open wide, ready to swallow you. And Jonah is thinking to himself, can my day get any worse? Amen. In Jonah chapter 2, Jonah describes his environment as the belly of hell. Now, I don't know exactly how that comes over from the Hebrew, but I think it's safe to say that Jonah is not happy with what God has measured out for his life. Jewish oral tradition records that on the sixth day of creation, God had made this fish just for Jonah. 
That this fish was not a part of some species of fish. It wasn't a whale or some uh, part of some family of fish. Rather, on the sixth day of creation, God made this fish because he knew Jonah was going to need it. He knew there was going to be a day when a prophet was drowning and he was going to need a fish to come and rescue him. Let me tell you, I don't know if that oral tradition is true or not, but this much I do know is if you're in the hand of God, he's going to make a way out of no way. He's going to reach down when you feel like you're drowning. He has prepared a fish. I wonder if anybody can praise him tonight because I know that God has prepared the fish for me. He has prepared exactly what I need. Come on, somebody ought to praise him tonight. Somebody ought to praise him because when you didn't think you could make it one more day, God reached down and brought you out. When you didn't think you could go one more step, God sent a fish your way because God is preparing you. And the purpose of the fish in Jonah's life was to get him back on the right path. To get him moving in the right direction. To get him back in alignment with the word that had come for his life. I don't know about you, but it can be so easy to lose direction today. You've got somebody over there telling you this is the way to do ministry. And somebody over there telling you this is how you do ministry. And and I try to listen to everybody and glean a little bit of something. But at the end of the day, i got to find my way back into the presence of the Lord. And say, God, that might be how they do it. And that might be how they do it. But at the end of the day, Lord, I need a word from you. I want to get back in the right direction. It was exactly what Jonah needed. Hallelujah. I can't speak for everyone. But between the time that God called me into ministry and where I am today, there have been some things that God rationed out for my life that in the moment they seemed irrational. Amen. In the moment when it, that situation and that circumstance began to unfold, I thought either God doesn't know what's happening, God's playing a cruel trick on me, or God has lost his mind. One of the three. Pardon, pardon maybe the uh, irreverence of the third one, but that's the way I felt in the middle of my storm. That's the way I felt when the fish was coming to swallow me. Uh, it felt when, when we were in the middle in our church, in, uh, a church of about 200, in the middle of a building campaign, and 50 people walk out the door. Uh, in the middle of a building campaign, and 50 people walk out the door. Can I tell you, it felt a lot like I was in the belly of hell. After we had shaken hands with a, a, a building owner and reached an agreement with him and announced it to the church, we're moving into this new building. And then a week later, the, the builder, uh, the, the owner calls me back and says, we've changed our mind. It felt like I was in the belly of the whale. It felt like God had abandoned me. But I can tell you five years later, now I can look back and say, God was getting me in the right path. He was leading me in the right direction. Can anybody worship in the night because God knows exactly what you need. He put that fish in your life because that's what you needed. Yeah. 
Jonah, you would have died out there if I hadn't sent that fish. If you would have kept on going in the direction you were going, you would have died. I know you think the fish was a curse, but the fish was a blessing because I've got a word for your life, and the fish is just a part of the process. And then the Bible says in Jonah chapter 4, verse 6, and the Lord prepared a gourd. And made it to come up over Jonah so that might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. The Bible specifically says that God had prepared, measured it out. The fish was there for a purpose. The fish was there. You spent three days and three nights in the belly of the fish. But now I prepared something else. There's another ingredient, Jonah, that you're going to need if you're going to fulfill the word that I have for your life. And the Bible says God prepared the gourd that it might deliver him from his grief. It was there to deliver Jonah from his grief. I think often we read this, at least I do, I read this and I think the gourd was a setup. God gave him the gourd so one verse later he could take it from him. Right? Anybody ever read it that way? Yeah, I'm going to teach you a lesson because you care more about the gourd than you do the people. So here's a gourd. Now watch me take it from you like a cruel babysitter, right? But that's not it because it was just a part of the preparation. It was a measure just as much as the fish was. It was a part of the process just as much as anything else was. And I'm here tonight because I know that there are times when I couldn't take it anymore. And God prepared a gourd for me. God delivered me from my grief. God reached down and said, I'm going to shadow you. And I'm going to shelter you. I'm going to put a covering over you. Because I know if you're going to make it right now where you're living, you need a gourd. In your life I'm thankful for the gourd I'm thankful for those times that the Lord has delivered me from my grief I wonder can we just raise our hands and thank God tonight I know it's been in the news a lot lately about pastors going through depression and uh, that pastor in California that took his own life and there's been a lot of talk about it and I'm not saying it's not an issue but I just want to thank the Lord tonight that in those moments when I felt like I couldn't go on God prepared a gourd for me the Holy Ghost came when I needed it nobody else knew what I was going through but God prepared a gourd for me I feel in my spirit tonight God has come to this room to give somebody a gourd. You came discouraged and depressed, but God has prepared a gourd for you. Come on, can we lift our hands right now? There is, there is a presence of God that, whose peace passes all understanding. You might have walked in here overwhelmed, but God will prepare a gourd for you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just praise him for another minute. There's got to be some pastors in here who feel like I do sometimes. And the bills are mounting up and the needs are more than the answers. And sometimes I just need to sit under the gourd and know God's got it all in his hands. Come on, let's raise our hands right now. There is a gourd. It's exactly what you need for that moment. It's exactly what you need. It's exactly what you need. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than high. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Come on, did anybody come tonight needing refuge from the storm? Did anybody come tonight feeling grief in your spirit? Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
I think we can run past these moments because we want to get to the next shout and the next point in the preacher's sermon. But sometimes God says, sit down under the gourd and let me cover you. Jonah, this is what you need for right now. More questions and answers on our drive here last night. Phone call. One of the uh, just terrific, tremendous elders in our church, Mother Mama Bush. I don't, she won't even tell us her age. I don't, I don't even want to guess for fear she might find out from somebody telling her they watch this over 70. Got to be close to 80. The, 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 the answer from Sister Bush, anytime you ask her, how you doing, Sister Bush? It's always the same. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. No matter what I'm going through, I'm not going to complain. Her husband died of cancer six years ago. At the funeral service, she got up, and that was her testimony. I won't complain. Got the phone call yesterday. Sister Bush has been in the emergency room since Monday. The doctor said that cancer is all within her. She wouldn't even survive a surgery, and it would, they'd have to give her one blood transfusion a week just to keep her alive. Can I tell you, it's in those moments as a preacher, I don't even know what to say. There's questions that are bigger than the answers. It's in those times I just have to run and sit under the gourd and say, God, I need you to give me shelter from the, from the grief that I'm feeling. I need you right now to be a shelter from the storm. For in the time of trouble... He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Hands raised toward heaven. I'm not going to preach much longer. Somebody came tonight and you need a gourd. Somebody came tonight and you need to know you need deliverance from your grief. You need to know that God is bigger than the questions. You need to know sometimes we don't have the answers. We just know where to hide. We don't have the answers, but there is a God that's going to deliver me from my grief. Hallelujah. Come on, do we believe in the wonder-working power of the Holy Ghost? It's more than an unknown tongue. It's more than just an unknown language. It is the power of God that brings comfort to those that are in grief. He will deliver me from my grief. Anybody that would testify tonight just by waving your hand and say there are times I wouldn't have made it, but God came and he put a, head, he put a gourd over my head and delivered me from my grief. Come on, come on somebody. Hallelujah, I'm, thank, I'm thankful to God that he delivered me from my grief. It's exactly what Jonah needed for that time. It was just as much a part of what Jonah needed as the fish was. Then verse 7 tells us, and God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd. God, here I am under the gourd. See, what God gives us to deliver us for a season, we can get comfortable sitting there. We can become immobilized by the comfort that we're living in. That gourd had begun to be a place of comfort in Jonah's life. And if we're not careful, we can begin to believe the hype that is being promoted by megachurch movement and televangelists that live in mansions and fly around the country in private jets. And they would tell you that ministry is all about comfort. But I've come tonight to remind you ministry is about sacrifice. Ministry is about the cross. Ministry is about blood. Ministry is about death and dying. 
So sometimes God's got to send a worm because if you stay under the gourd, you're not going to fulfill your calling and you won't fulfill your purpose. I don't know about you, but I like being comfortable. Amen. We finally got into a new building in our church and the air conditioning actually works. And man, we love it. I mean, you could, you could hang meat in there on, on Sunday mornings. I tell them you don't like it, bring a blanket with you. But we, all them years of you complaining we didn't have air conditioning. I'm a, you ain't gonna, if you're going to complain about something, it ain't going to be about how hot it is. I promise you that. But we like it comfortable. We don't like the worm. More of you gourd. More of you, Lord, I guess is how the song went. But hold the worm. The fact is we will never reach our world living under a gourd. Jonah never would have fulfilled the Jonah one and one calling living under a gourd. And Jonah was becoming idle sitting under a gourd. And if there is truly a word that has been spoken of your life, God is going to send a worm to wiggle its way into your life. God is going to send the worm to cause you to be uncomfortable. Because ministry was never meant to be comfortable. It was always meant to cost. Some of you right now are going through your little database in your mind and you're pulling up faces of worms. People in your congregation, family members. Don't look at anybody next to you, all right? Amen. I'm going to tell you the greatest worm in my life is when God slaps the mirror down in front of me. When God puts that mirror in front of me and he begins to display for me all of my shortcomings and my inadequacies. Just when I start to get comfortable and think, man, I finally got this thing figured out. God puts the mirror in front of me and reminds me, son, you can't afford to get comfortable here. You're a long way from doing everything that I called you to do. How can I boast of a church that runs two, three, four, five hundred, eight, five thousand when I'm in a city of 80,000 people that God has called me to evangelize? Come on, I need God to release a worm into my life. God has prepared a worm. And then directly behind the worm, verse 8 says, And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished himself to die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. The final thing that God measured out, prepared, you need a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and Jonah, you need a wind. If you're ever gonna be everything, if you're ever gonna do what I've called you to do, great college students here at IBC, if you're ever going to be anything, everything God has called you to be, you're going to have to have the wind released in your life. There's going to have to come an east wind that blows into your life. You see, the Bible would let us know that the east wind is a scattering wind. It is a wind that is hot. It devours and destroys. In contrast with the other winds that bring rain and blessing, it is the east wind that is dry and with a fervent heat. But it is the only wind in the Bible when Hosea declares the east wind to be the wind of the Lord. The Bible said that when the east wind blew, Jonah fainted and declared, it's better for me to die than to live. And here's what the east wind does. It brings us to the end of ourselves. In the middle of a selfie generation where talent and ability are paraded and paramount, 
There is an east wind that is going to blow through this generation where we realize it's not about my talent. It's not about my ability. It's not about how many likes I get on Instagram. It's not about how many followers I have on Facebook. The only thing that matters is I need more of Jesus. I need more of Jesus. I will never reach my world without Jesus. We've got to come to the end of ourselves. If we're going to reach this world with the gospel, it's not going to be because of talent and ability. It's going to be because of anointing and a move of the Spirit. Would you raise your hands to me all across this building? I can't make the wind blow. The wind blows. The wind blows where it listed. The wind blows. It does what it wants to do. But I promise you, if you're ever going to reach the anointing and the call that God has on your life, it will not come without an east wind blowing. It brings us to a place where we realize, God, I can't do this on my own. I can prepare my sermons. We can build new buildings. We can do all the stuff. We can get great sound systems, great lighting. I'm for all of that. I wish we had a bigger budget to do more of it. But at the end of the day, there's only one thing that will change a life. There's only one thing that will turn Nineveh from destruction, and that is the move of God. We've got to come to the end of ourselves because when I come to the end of me, I come to the beginning of him. Would you stand with me as I conclude? The process, everything that has been measured for Jonah, the fish, the gourd, the worm, the wind, every measured ingredient, three days in the belly of the fish, one night under the shadow of the gourd, one morning subjected to the working of the worm, and one blast of the east wind. It brings it all, what's in the oven? What's the end result? of these measured works of God in the life of Jonah. Jonah is the only book of the Bible that ends with a question. And it is the question that all of ministry boils down to. It's the reason God's going to send a fish into your world. It's the reason you're going to wake up on a Monday morning and a worm has wriggled away all the testimonies of Sunday revival. It's a reason God measures those things out because we've all got to come to the place where we answer the question that Jonah ends with. Because while God's been preparing a man, he's also been preparing a people. An angry, bitter, impatient preacher paces the streets of Nineveh, angrily declaring the coming of God. Wrath is coming. Angrily. There, there's no altar call. There's no message on mercy. There's no message that, hey, if you all get right, we're going to have an altar call in a few minutes and the altar workers are going to come. And if you want to be baptized, wait around and we'll baptize. None of that. It's Jonah just saying, you're all going to die. Everybody's going to fry. Rage in his spirit, anger in his voice. He declares impeding destruction. And without hesitation, every person and their pets at home repent. Think about that. Every person repents without Without any exception, every person repents with an, an angry preacher in the pulpit, not declaring mercy and grace, but declaring you're all going to die. Why is that? Because even as God was preparing the man, he had already been preparing a people. They were hungry. They were waiting. They were receptive, waiting. And Nineveh 
is ready for revival while the man of God weeps for a gourd. Nineveh is ready for a move of God while the preacher cries for a shriveled up plant. Jonah, there's 120,000 people in Nineveh who can't tell their right hand from their left hand. They're spiritually ignorant. Jonah, their dogs and cats are down there repenting. And you are weeping over a shriveled up gourd. And the things that God has prepared for every minister in this room is going to call us back to this place. What is more important to you? The gourd or the perishing people? What is more important to you? Is it your comfort or is it your calling? What is it that is going to move you to tears? It is a shriveling up plant or is it an ignorant, unlearned people that are hungry for revival? Raise our hands every Sunday when I stand in my pulpit. It's the question I've got to answer again. What means more to me? Are we here to have comfortable church on Sunday? Or is there some sinner out there that doesn't know their right from their left? Is there some hungry soul out there that doesn't even know the ways of God? I've got to calculate that and answer the question. Somebody raise your hand. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if it's the fish, the gourd, the worm, the wind. I don't know. I know whatever it is, if there is a call, now, if there ain't no call of God, then, then you may never have a fish. You may not have a worm. But if there is a call of God in your life, there is going to be a fish. And there is going to come a worm that's going to wiggle its way in. There is going to come a gourd. And it's going to be exactly what you need when you need it. So I want us to raise our hands because God knows. Hundred twenty thousand people, Jonah, hungry and ready for revival. They've already repented. They're waiting on a preacher, and you're up here crying about a shriveled-up plant. Come on, church. Are we more about souls? Are we about the hungry? Are we about Nineveh? Or are we about our comfort? Are we building comfortable buildings where we can be in our comfortable religions? Or do we realize that there are lost people? I want you to reach over, if you would, as I turn this back to Pastor Mooney or Brother Brosom, whomever. I want you to pray for your neighbor because God knows exactly what you need. Somebody, you need a gourd tonight. Somebody, God's let a worm wiggle all up in your life. And God's making you uncomfortable. Because God knows as long as you sit under that shade tree, as long as you sit under that gourd tree, as long as you sit under that gourd, you'll never fulfill the call that has been placed upon your life. So don't be discouraged and don't ever count. Hey guys, just a quick little note here. If you are interested in sponsoring an Indiana Bible College episode, email podcast at go to ibc.com. Sponsorship is a simple and cost-effective way to promote a ministry or business, and we would love to partner with you in spreading the message. A feature episode sponsor includes 15 seconds of an ad spot preceding the content on a featured episode. This episode is not only published on our YouTube channel, but also includes social media advertising on IBC platforms as well. We look forward to partnering with you in your promotions efforts. Have a great day and God's blessings.